Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why does making friends as an adult feel so What hard? should I wear on a first date? What the date? hell is a foreign But that Why is was not first good. Home so what do I want my life to look like in five years? We, we want to know, know too. Since 2012, the Every Girl has been an online destination to help women around the world achieve the life of their dreams. Now, we're excited to bring you the same inspiring content with the Every Girl Podcast. Welcome back to the Every Girl Podcast. Today, we have Nicole Berry, who is someone that I've wanted to come on the podcast since we started. She is a queen in the wellness space. You may have heard of Nicole's wellness website, Bonbury, where she shares wellness tips and the most drool-worthy recipes, many inspired by food combining principles or her mother's Korean heritage. Nicole is also the founder of Bonbury Mart, a cult favorite wellness destination in New York City, which according to my Instagram, is frequented by every health food-loving celebrity and influencer. Last year, Nicole came out with her first book, Body Harmony, which is a cross between a cookbook with all of her amazing recipes, obviously, and a lot of really great health and wellness tips. But it also reads somewhat like a memoir because she gets really honest about her negative relationship with food in the past. And that included disordered eating and drug and alcohol abuse. And she is really vulnerable and open about her past, which I loved because I think, as I say in this episode, like wellness, a lot of the time is very much like higher than thou. I think it's a lot of people that are like, do this, do that. I know better than you. And I don't know, it kind of, there's a lot of wellness, even for me, someone who's in the wellness space, who's a health coach and a wellness editor, there's a lot of it that kind of gives me the ick to say the least, because there are a lot of people claiming I'm perfect and the way to health is perfect. And like, I don't know, like preaching a lot of this perfection, I guess like that's the best way to say it is like, you have to have a optimal background. You've always been a healthy person. Like, I don't know. Like, there's just a lot that I don't resonate with. So Nicole is my kind of girl. I love that she's open about her relationship with food and how it was damaging in the past. And I think that she helps so many people in sharing her story. So on this episode, we obviously cover a lot of that, how her negative relationship with food formed as a child and the spiritual elements that she was missing that caused her to turn to drugs, alcohol, and disordered eating. So also just a heads up, if these topics may be triggering for you, obviously take care of yourself. Um, If you want to skip through, you can, because at the end, we have a lot of nutrition and talk more about intuitive eating and those things, but feel free to take care of yourself first and foremost. But Nicole talks about how she found her way out of that life. And she went through an amazing healing journey, how she got to using food as a tool to enhance her life and make her feel amazing instead of being a major stressor and tool for destruction. Then of course, we cover a lot of nutrition tips, but they're probably not the nutrition tips that you have ever heard before. Nicole shares insight into intuitive eating, the spiritual side of hunger, 
and food combining, which is basically how to optimize food for digestion. Um, And she also talks about how that relates to intuitive eating. So I thought it was really interesting. But this is the episode for you. If you want to feel amazing in your body, if you want to get out of using food rules, if you are tired tracking calories or worrying about which diet you should start, like this is the episode for you. It honestly is not one that is going to make you feel stressed out about food. That's going to make you feel like you're not doing enough. Like this gives you so many amazing tips for changing up your life so that you feel the very best you can in your body without it being a stressful thing or or feeling like you're not enough as you already are because you guys... You are enough. You don't need to change a thing and you would still be healthy, beautiful, wonderful, perfect, amazing as you are. But this conversation helps you share tools that can kind of help treat your body the way that it wants to be treated. I don't know. I you'll you'll know what I'm talking about when you listen to the episode. It's so good. I love this conversation. I was in my element because this is my shit. I know you guys are gonna love this too. Welcome, Nicole Berry, to the Every Girl Podcast. I have loved you for like years. Like I literally have followed your recipes and recreated them so much. Yes. Like some of your recipes are literally the ones that I still, I like when I was 22 and like first moved to LA and was trying to like cook and like your recipes were the ones that I still to this day will recreate and make all the time. So I'm a fan of your recipes. What were you making? I'm going to really butcher it, but the Japchi, is that our yes, Japchi? Japchi? I'm going to butcher that. Yes, I Japchi. love it. Okay. Yeah. That is one of my favorite recipes Aww. of all time of any, like it's so delicious. It's so good. And they're like easy too. Like it seems very intimidating, but it's easier than people think. I, I think to like make a recipe like that, that's so flavorful. It, it doesn't take a lot. You make it very simple. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, that's the goal is to make like recipes taste good and make them easy enough for people to want to do them. So, yeah. So how did you fall in love with cooking? Where did your love for cooking come from? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I'm, first of all, I'm a self-taught cook. So anyone who's listening, who's like, oh my God, I have to go to culinary school or learn knife skills. I did not do any of that. I was always just as a kid, I just loved food. I loved food as, and I'm talking like, as a, like in elementary school, you know, I loved experimenting in the kitchen, like watching my dad find joy in his meals and watching my mom find joy in the kitchen as well. So I'd always just like kind of play and just food as a younger girl and child was, I equated it with celebration and joy. And eventually that detoured into something else as I got older, as it does for many of us. My first experience with food was always equated with joy. I like write in my cookbook, Body Harmony, that, you know, I remember going to the, we grew up right outside New York City, going to the Carnegie Deli, which is a famous Jewish delicatessen. And my dad just like having so much joy with like a pastrami sandwich or my mom making, you know, really authentic Korean dishes that she ate as a child and made for us. This was just like a source of joy and comfort and indulgence. And so that is when I think I first got into food and I found it again. I lost that joy for quite a while, for a couple of decades. And I found it again in a new way as an adult. 
I love the association with celebration and joy. Like I, I think for something that gets so stressful for people, I know a lot of people listening are like, food is a stressor. You know, you worry about mm. what to eat, how much you're eating, the calories, the fats, like it, it's a stressful thing. So to remember at the core of it is joy and celebration, I think is so powerful and such a cool first memory for you with food. And how cool too, the the heritage part that it's part of like celebrating both of your parents' heritage with the Jewish deli and the Korean dishes. Like that's so cool to kind of like see those dishes that your parents ate growing up too and kind of celebrate your heritage in that. So I love how food can be so much more than just something to like lose weight or like a nutrition tool or like, like it. And that's what I love about what you do is that it's celebrating food and showing the good parts of it instead of this very scary, stressful, rigid thing. I know you talk about, you were just mentioning kind of that little detour where food became something that was a a more stressful thing to you. And I know in your book, Body Harmony, you are so honest with your history of disordered eating. Like it reads more like a memoir, which by the way, I was obsessed with how you added a lot of your insight and your personal experience to the cookbook because I think that wellness can feel very like, higher than thou. And, you know, like this is uh, the right way to do things and I'm perfect. And like, I feel like wellness is very like that. And you come from a place of dispelling. I'm not this perfect person that has always had a perfect relationship with food. And I think you're helping so many people and sharing that story. Um, And it's really important to share. Why did you want to include this part of your life instead of just, you know, the shiny wellness tips and delicious recipes? Yeah. So one thing I think that we have to remember now we're living in a day and age of where we're inundated with so many messages of wellness and well-being. And the number one thing though, that I like to remind myself and, you know, my community is that wellness doesn't occur in a void. So what that means is when we're introduced to new principles and plans and opinions and methods and, you know, just all different types of messages that we are listening to, Many of these messages come assuming that we don't have any sort of history with food, any sort of emotional eating issues history, which I will say that, you know, it occurs on a scale and on a spectrum. Um, For me, it was very disordered. I think that I spent, you know, over a decade of my preteens and teens and then early 20s battling an eating disorder, um, specifically bulimia. Other people might just have kind of like mixed emotions around food and things like that. And when these new kind of programs come into play, what they don't take into account is our history and our emotional attachment to food um, and healing that first. So for me, it was really important for the book to begin with that context. Not to say that everyone has had that experience, but at least people know that someone who's professing body harmony are saying, you can, you too can achieve balance and harmony within your body came from someone who is everything but. And for me, that also is the thing that, you know, created this path. Like the fact that I made it my life's mission, not for other people, but for myself, my own healing to escape that kind of impulsive and compulsive lifestyle. I, all I want to do is also share how I did that. So maybe that might ignite, you know, a fire in someone else. And what my path will certainly look different from your path, from another person's path. And so that is exactly why I'm so excited that for this experience to talk about uh, holistic nutrition, specifically, you know, 
around intuitive eating and to find food freedom around really indulgent, delicious dishes is for me, that is the key. That's kind of like the, the secret code into food freedom is mixing joy and indulgence with your intuitive eating, but also with your intuitive like feeling. So intuitive eating doesn't necessarily mean, it's funny, but when I was writing my book proposal, my editor very innocently said, okay, intuitive eating, listen to your cravings, got it. But doesn't that mean I'm going to be eating Cheetos and like pizza for the rest of my life? And that was such an interesting thing that she said. And I was like, aha, like that is exactly what I'm talking about. We have been taught to fear our intuition and fear our cravings so much that we assume that following our cravings means that we're going to go off the deep end and eat all these horrible things and become this like bestial thing that we can't trust. When really, when we start to tune into ourselves and tune into our intuition, and start to feed ourselves in an intuitive way, yes, we might have to recalibrate after years of deprivation or restriction. So yes, it might look a little bit you know, more extreme, but that eventually, that time will pass and then we can quiet ourselves enough to feed ourselves, feed our bodies in the way that the body is craving food as fuel, yes, but we cannot forget that our bodies also crave emotional connection, joy, like you said, through food. So the joy factor is so important. So what I would say is that anyone who's like getting into intuitive eating, just list like five times as a child that you equated food with joy, you know, and that might be difficult. You know, we might have grown up in households where food wasn't a sense of joy. Food actually was a sense of fear, you know, that whole almond mom, hashtag almond mom, kind of, have you heard of this on TikTok of like, moms, you know, raising daughters and sons. Yeah. As through no fault of their own, they were also, you know, um, picking up cues from their childhood and, and, and friends and things like that. So if you grew up in that sense, like where were times that you did enjoy yourself without free of guilt, you just loved it. Like, oh my God, maybe it was like pizza Thursdays at school or, you know, sharing like Swedish fish with your best friend, like, you know, in class, like it's the joy connection when it comes to food is let's just identify that. Let's just bring it back to a little bit of innocence. Because if we're, you know, propelled by a fear of food and a fear of like, or just treating food as fuel, we're depriving ourselves of like the 360 purpose of nourishment, right? Because it's it's not just physical. It's physical, spiritual, mental. It's all of these things. When we embrace that, oh my God, it becomes like the world becomes such a more like, you know, comforting and safe place. Oh my God. Yeah. To look at food as like, not only is it a good thing that we are seeking comfort and love and connection through it, but we should be doing that. Like it's not yes. just nutrition, it's it's emotional nutrition and spiritual nutrition. So I love your perspective on that. I know so many people need to hear that. I absolutely want to get all your tips on, on intuitive eating. Cause I think that's one, like, it's funny hearing that your producer talk about like, well, wouldn't I just eat Cheetos all the time? Like I hear that all the time. People being like, well, if I just listened to my cravings, I would eat chocolate cake and mac and cheese and I would never eat my vegetables. So I want to get all of your tips on that. But first I'm, I'm curious because intuitive eating is like you're saying the first step being, you have to get over a lot of the fear around food or the misconceptions around food or the bad emotional experiences, what were your emotional experiences like kind of going more into that as a child? Like where did you pick up those maybe like negative associations with food? 
Yeah. I think that, you know, it's hard to pinpoint like one moment, but I think that just as a girl, you know, growing, I think things started to shift when I was age nine, right? Like I was not self-conscious up until age nine. I, you know, lived life with no second thought about who was watching me, how did I look, anything like that, right? But age nine, things start to shift, right? Our bodies start to shift. Certain of my friends start to look a certain way. I started to look a certain way. And so I realized that I could control my appearance by controlling what I ate. And that was a very aha moment for me, good or bad, right? And so I started to actively make things that were going to maybe make me skinnier or make me look better or this and that. And that's when I disconnected from that joy, right? I started to equate certain foods with fear. And I noticed that the more I controlled things that I could feel like I can control an outcome, you know, control how people would perceive me, the more I like leaned into that and became super compulsive. And then what happened was once I hit my teens, I had been restricting myself so for so long. And that just doesn't mean just with food. I mean, being a good student, being a good child, being good friends, you know, being the people pleaser, all of those things. And when I hit my teens and there was, for me personally, it was a, I was exposed to a lot of alcohol and drugs at a really young age. It was an opportunity for me to escape. So what happened, it was a direct result of such kind of holding tight to these rules for myself that I was able to kind of escape through drugs and alcohol. Food also at the same time is for me, like, and for other people, you know, available, readily available, not like drugs and alcohol. So that also became a time for me to binge, right? And in hiding and, you know, relieve that side of me that had been deprived for so long, you know? So that's kind of where it went through. And for me, it became such an extreme scenario where I didn't even know how to nourish myself in high school without having it result in like me feeling like basically like self-hatred for my, for wanting to feed myself at all, for being hungry, like that, that hatred of like, you want too much, right? And so just shifting to like tips into like what that means is that I wasn't allowing myself time or respect to honor what I was craving in my life, right? Maybe I wasn't craving of being the perfect student. Maybe I didn't want to be the perfect friend or all of that. So I was, I was ignoring my intuition. And what happened was I started to feed that, you know, hunger to be myself through outside sources, food, alcohol, drugs. Wow. I love yeah. that you use the word feed, that you're feeding mm. it in different mm-hmm. ways. That's powerful. Yeah, because Hunger, and so this is also something that we talk about in TV eating. You have two types of hunger. You have physical hunger and you have spiritual hunger. And they're different. And it's really important at the beginning, if you do have kind of a complicated relationship to food, we're born, my kids, I have two little kids, are born with like knowing when they're hungry and knowing when they're full, you know? And they don't feed themselves with, for spiritual hunger yet, hopefully, you know, we, we can try to steer them out. But, you know, once we identify those two separate things and the more we feed that spiritual hunger, and that just can be simply asking yourself in the morning, you know, 
you know, what am I hungry for? What am I craving? And I don't mean food. I mean, like, where am I in my life? Am I craving more safety, more security, more consistency, you know? And of course we can't answer all of our life cravings in one day. So, you know, let's say we don't love our job, you know, can I go on a job site and just like, or just post something or even like look online and see like what's out there, you know, little steps that affirm that spiritual craving. If we do that every day consistently, what happens is that we start to identify then physical hunger for what it is, right? And so we're not mixing the two. And that's, I think, the number one step is identifying physical hunger and spiritual hunger so that we can really stay in tune and present with our body. To realize that sometimes the cravings are coming from a place of your body, your mind being like, something's not right here. Like we need mm-hmm. more. And sometimes, yes. sometimes that might be nutrition. Like sometimes your mm-hmm. body is craving magnesium or whatever, but sometimes yeah. that's going to be from a spiritual place of we are craving more joy. We're craving more fulfillment. So I think that is like the most powerful nutrition tip that anyone could ever hear. It's like there are hunger cravings that are more connected to spirituality, to your life, to your happiness, to your joy. So that is so powerful. So Looking back on that nine-year-old who started to shift that relationship with food and then even into your young adulthood, what do you think you were craving? Like, were you craving confidence? I know you mentioned like wanting to be yourself. What were you craving and, and why do you think that you kind of were suppressing that? So for me, I mean, I was a child of divorce and like not a very nice divorce. So I was probably craving like stability and safety, you know, and yeah, I think that that's what it is. And it's, and we're, you know, I hate to say, you know, as also a mom, I'm like, oh my God, everyone has had trauma as a child. You know, I'm like, how can I like avoid the trauma for my child? You know, but it's also a rite of, of passage. You know, we can't fully escape it because that's a human experience, right? And we're all going to have a human experience. Human experience means highs and lows and, you know, being hurt and all of that. So we don't want to protect ourselves. We want to live our lives, right? But what I can do as a parent and what I can, you know, say as someone who's listening is say, okay, what are our tools to stay present in those experiences? Because I wasn't taught to do that. I was taught to just like shut down and like hide or run away and not feel, right? So when we are present with that painful feeling, which I didn't learn until much later in my life of, you know, through grief, I'd never learn to sit with my uncomfortable feelings ever. You know what I wow. mean? Until I was in like yeah. my mid twenties. And so I think that that might be, it's as small as it, is, as it is, it is such an important tool to when something's happening that you're not comfortable with. And it could be, you know, it could be a traumatic experience. It could just be like, oh, I don't like how this makes me feel right now. It can be like the Sunday scaries when you wake up and you're just like, oh, you know, you just have that pit in your stomach. This is something that I do every morning that I've done for now like over a decade is I just, the second I wake up and I wake up with like, you know, a mild form of anxiety. And it's kind of just like, oh, you know, like, what am I going to you know? All the things that are going to be asked of me today or the things that I do want to do that I don't want to do. I just sit and I take five deep breaths and it doesn't have to be, you know, box breath or anything like specific. It could just truly just breathing into the like tightness. And I usually hold it in my chest So breathing in and letting that go for five breaths, one minute, however long you want to do, already just like, okay, I can recalibrate my system. So to answer your question is, I was craving safety. I was craving connection and stability. And had I learned a little bit of those tools of breath work, 
during that time, that would have been immensely helpful for me. Wow, breath work. So, because I, I was so curious if there was anything, you know, if you could go tell your nine-year-old self something, what would it be? Like if you would do anything differently or if you kind of feel, I know a lot of people feel going through trauma that they want to change it because it made them who they are. So I was curious. Mm-hmm. So like for you, breath work, if you could go back and tell your nine-year-old self, you would teach her how to sit with the emotion and breathe through it. Yes, correct. I would. And I do that, you know, and my son is seven. My daughter is about to turn five and I've, you know, we do it together. You know what I mean? And what was really amazing is that I think my son went on a field trip to like the public New York public library. And there's this like bridge that goes across from like one side to the other. And it's kind of like high. And he told me that he just stopped in the middle and started doing like the breath work that I taught him because he got nervous, which is insane oh, because my God. I know. And, and, and like, as I believe me, I'm not the parent who's like, we have to meditate today. Like, you know, like whatever. it's like, I taught it to him <laughs> and I'm like, some days he wants to do it. Some days he doesn't like, and it was really not clear if he like it connected with it. But the fact that he had the wherewithal to be like, this doesn't make me feel good. Oh, I have this tool in my toolbox. I'm going to use it right now was like, I mean, like I literally was like, okay, my, my work is done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's parenting. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and also, and again, it doesn't have to be specifically meditating. It's, it's just a moment of presence and awareness and like respecting that pain, holding space for that, that pain. When traumatic things happen, it's like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry, but you're going to be stronger. This is going to make you stronger. This is going to make you like, you're going to get through this. I'm just like, let's get through this, you know? Um, So just sitting with that discomfort is so, so, so important because what we do when it comes back to nourishing ourselves is the reason that a lot of the motivation between why like overeating and compulsive eating and is, is, and eating disorders is because we don't like to sit with that discomfort. We want to cover it up. We want to eat over it. We want to drink over it. We want to drug over it, you know, and even, you know, the whole movement of like microdosing, I'm a little hesitant over that just because for me, it actually, and again, I, it, this is coming from someone who has like a former addict or like has addictive habits. For me, it's all about staying present and not putting in something else to either expand that or anything like that. It's just simply living with discomfort. And, you know, we're talking about like nourishment and nutrition, but essentially if every modality of dieting or, you know, like certain types of eating began with that, I really think that it, we would have a little better direction, like, okay, what works for me? You know, so you mentioned like magnesium and supplementation. And I I think all those that are great and I am, I'm getting more into it now, you know, as I get older and just figuring all of those things out. But again, nothing, nothing will stick unless we first go back to the beginning and say like, what am I craving? How am I feeling? Like what lights me up? What makes me feel good? What makes me, you know, feel heavier in my heart? You know, like things like that's really essential because then, you know, you're primed to then really feel empowered in the decisions that you make when it comes to nourishing yourself versus going into on Amazon and like clicking in like a, you know, intermittent fasting keyword and like looking for the holy grail because that was me. I was looking, searching for the Holy Grail for so long. Finally, I was just like, I just had enough. You know, I just knew I had to do a full stop. So intuitive eating is so essential and, and it's not antithetical to following a program. So 
if you want to follow a paleo program or a keto or whatever it is, you know, or if you don't want to do any of those things, it doesn't mean you can't do that. It just means that you're leading with your intuition first, which is so awesome because then you can literally like, it's like choose your own adventure. You could literally make up whatever works for you and like thrive specifically for you. I love that you mentioned it's not a diet. It's like a a way of like filtering and looking at the world and the food you're eating and stuff. So I absolutely love that. Yeah. It's a perspective. Perspective. Yes. That's a great way to redefine it. I'm really curious. So after you were going through a lot, I know you mentioned like drugs, alcohol, those things that you're trying to comfort those cravings. For people out there who may be in the place where you were, where you are trying to get yourself out of it, what was the turning point for you and what helped you move into a different space and kind of get past those negative habits that were really harming you? I mean, for me, it was hitting rock bottom. Like I needed to do, like, I could not go further. You know, it, uh, I'll spare you the details, but as someone who was like addicted to, you know, narcotics and alcohol in a young age, I really was like, I was failing out of school. I, and this is coming from someone who was a very good student, really academic. You know, I was not getting into any of the colleges. It turned out that my dad was the person who kind of found out about my habits and just, wow. Yeah. And I, it's funny, I was watching John Mulaney. He's that comedian who just came out with a special. He talks about addiction in his latest stand-up series. And it sometimes, and he had an, um, an intervention by his friends. And sometimes it takes someone who like loves you to really just like send a hand. So that to me is what helped me. And, it, and also like show a mirror, of, like what is happening in your life. And I think it just has to start with like an inkling of wanting, knowing that there's a better way. And we all do when we're in it, we know we, we want to like shut that voice up and say like, no, this is my way or the highway. Like I'm doing, I'm holding so tight, white knuckled grip to like my routine, my plan, my habit. But you know, there's always going to be that quiet voice. It's like, no, there's a better way. There's a gentler way, you know? And so I would say that lean into that voice, because if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm struggling, it's like, if there's the want to, you know, heal lean into it. Don't be afraid of like what that's going to look like because healing is always going to look very messy and very dark and probably will get worse before it gets better. But it's like through the fire is where like your salvation lies. And so I would say, feel all the feelings. You know, um, one book that actually worked really well for me was The Artist Way um, by Julia Cameron. And um, she the reason why I like it is because it's basically like a homework book. She has something called Morning Pages, which has gotten more like more sexy lately, but she wrote it like I think in the 70s or 80s. And it just requires you to write three pages of like mindless writing every morning. And what that does is it basically is like word vomit on the page of all the things that you're feeling, your fears, your anything. It could be nothing, you know, but it, I think my, the first step would be basically just like purging spiritual purging. So that means like, you know, journaling, meditating, crying, like whatever it is, because a lot of the times coming from someone who's like compulsive, it's like, we're holding everything so tight to ourselves and it's time just to release. I love that idea of the spiritual purging. Like that's Mm. pretty cool to just like let it all out instead of, I think what a lot of people are, are kind of tempted to do or inclined to do is like, let me just go to like the the growth mindset and like, okay, I'm going to dive all in on mm-hmm. working out and nutrition yeah. and like going to cryotherapy and like, but it, a lot of it is the healing. 
Yeah. And you can do all that. Absolutely. You can do all that, but we need to like start with a clean slate, you know, and that's the same like weird segue, but it's the same with the way that I designed the recipes for this series for Alan Lou's is starting a clean slate. Like all the recipes that I make, whether it's online on social media, in my cookbook or for Alan Lou's are designed to help ease digestion and elimination. Because again, it's physicality and spiritual are connected. So when I say spiritual purging, things that could also help is like going to the sauna, you know, doing dry brushing, eliminating every day, walking, circulation. Like my mom is Korean and like chi, which is energy work is so important in like Eastern medicine is like the circulation. You kind of want to be consistently circulating and flowing and moving. And so that is very much connected to our spiritual and our psyche. You know, we can't be like flowing physically and really tightly held in our beliefs mentally. You know, it just doesn't work that way. We look at it in a 360 holistic way. So yeah, I would say, you know, think about the ways that we're like holding that you, that it might be a little scary to dive into, you know, but get curious, get curious about your pain. And you look at it not like, I have to feel this. This is, we're like, you're going on a 60 day cleanse of like, like, you know, road out of trauma. Like that's not how it works. Just get like curious, like, oh, how does this make me feel? Oh, you know, and write it down. Journaling is such a great, amazing tool. And you don't have to reread it. Actually, I think um, Julia Cameron in Artist Way tells you not to read it. You just write it and you keep going. And it's just the act of pen to paper, the act of breath work, of sweating. It's just like release, release, release. And um, that for me is what was really great in my healing period. And I consistently do these practices. It's like building up a toolbox of what you want, you know, to consistently heal for like a longevity term. So sometimes I'm like, oh, I haven't journaled in a while. Like I really need to like journal or, oh, like... I need this type of thing. It's like building your toolbox of different of different ways. You know, you can you can operate out of a place of healing versus like reacting to something. When you're journaling, are you writing like here's just I know the morning pages, it's like just whatever's come to mind, but when it mm. comes to kind of that like spiritual purge, spiritual detox, are you writing out certain memories that that may be triggering? Are you writing out fears? What are you journaling? No, I, I think it's just free writing, I think, because then it's like becomes more of like an assignment. Might That might be too much. You know what I mean? You might just like not be able to, if you feel moved to, moved to, like when I was writing my book, it was such a healing experience, you know, because I was writing all these memories. And and if that's something that you feel moved to, great. But I think it could be literally anything. You know, what I do find that like, you know, things like having a gratitude practice, writing what you're, I, I actually don't say like a gratitude list. I call it a blessings list because like for me, I don't know, gratitude sounds like you hear that word so much that it kind of has stopped meaning anything. But when I hear like blessing for me, and I'm not religious, but it just was like, oh, wow, that just has like, what are my blessings? That feels more like weighty. I love blessing. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So like having that is amazing as well. You know, sometimes if you're like, I don't know what I'm going to write. I like no idea what I'm going to write. Like maybe start there, you know? And they, I know that there's all those things like the five minute journal and, and there's so many prompts places that you could do like journal prompts. You can purchase those if you're really like unsure. But I think that the, there's a beauty of stream of consciousness writing where things start to come up and it just becomes ex, uh, really beautiful and healing. And I also really, it's so fascinating you explaining the connection between the physical detox and the spiritual detox. I think you 
put kind of vocabulary to something that I totally feel like have, have felt for myself for a long time, but Mm. you said it so much more eloquently than I've ever thought in my Mm. head. But to me, it makes so much sense of like, obviously you need to physically be detoxifying, you know, you need to be getting rid of toxins and helping your lymphatic system and all those things. But then it also makes sense to me that your body cannot physically release toxins without mental release too. You know, if you still are like, it's, it's like that book, the body keeps score. Your body's holding on to a lot of negative beliefs and trauma. And so you just said it very eloquently of that connection to the mind and the body and how detoxifying both is essential for healing your body and spirituality. So I, I love that. Yeah. And, and again, like another word that I feel like has become, has like all this like uh, meaning is detox, right? Like it, it's just been so bastardized. Like, <laughs> bastardized is the perfect word. <laughs> and so, you know, I would call it like release, you know, release. like we're holding on to things like we're releasing. And um, sometimes like something can come before the other. Like you can maybe go, you know, like let's say you work with an incredible therapist. I think that in my twenties, when I like re like real, when I started to really get into this, the first thing I think I had was like an actual like therapist. Like he might've even been like a psychiatrist, like really not the right fit for me. Like I was just, but I had to go through some like really like dark trauma work. And I was not in a physical healing place at all. I was still, you know, very much, you know, in and out of my eating disorder. I was very much like uncomfortable in my physical skin. But that was the first step for me. And then I felt with like a little bit of a lighter load, I was actually also able to identify that, oh, this is not the right person for me. So let me find another therapist who actually like really, you know, understand me. Because like, we can't like, once you're in a space where you're very connected with yourself, you forget how kind of lost one can be in their like early twenties or teens, like how little they know themselves. And so you're, sometimes we're searching for someone else to tell us who we are. Right. And so once we tap into a little bit of more like of our autonomy, like our spiritual autonomy, then you can make choices of saying, Oh, you know, maybe I do want to try that like sauna place or whatever, or maybe because usually if you're in a place that, or it could happen the opposite way, you know, you could be like, oh, my friends are like really into like ice baths and whatever. And okay, I'm going to go to her. I'm going to go with my friend to like the sauna place. And you start releasing, you know, then that will probably trigger something, you know, mentally be like, you start thinking about things like that. Because as much as we like to compartmentalize things, our bodies don't do that. <laughs> so, you know, if we open the faucet, you know, on one side, something's going to happen on the other side for good, for, for the good, for a good purpose. But that's why I really do look at, um, nourishment as like really a holistic way. Um, because you can't have one without the other. And that's why I think it was so awesome that, you know, Allo Moves is like a, a platform that like is a workout platform, is a movement platform. So you would think it's just like workouts. Okay. And then the food recipes are going to be like food as fuel, you know, and, and, what are we going to like, you know, acai bowls and whatever it is that's like super, you know, trendy. But like to their credit, they really identified that the community and the, the, the consumer out there is looking for a true 360 approach. You know, if they're going to be ta- like signing in and logging in for a yoga flow or a 15 minute breathwork meditation, 
how is like the food component, the nourishing component going to support that growth? And that is a reflective, that's reflective of kind of a movement movement towards that. Because I think as a whole, a lot of us are, you know, sick of being told what to eat, how much to eat, but do need a little guidance in how, okay, intuitive eating, great, but how do I, what does that mean? And back to that, like, doesn't that mean I'm going to be eating all of these things? Actually, no, it does help to have an arsenal of recipes and tools, I believe, because I did when I was starting to get more into the kitchen using food and redefining all these old, you know, nostalgic recipes in ways that made my physical body feel good. I had the time and the, like, time to like hunt all these like crunchy blogs of like vegan recipes and things like that. And, <laughs> and then like, you know, twist them into like something that would taste good. But some people don't have time for that and don't want even to do that. That like, to me, that brings me a lot of joy. So it's helpful to have like an arsenal of recipes that you can come in day in, day out and not also be like, oh my God, I have to like eat this, this, this at this time and this time and this time. No, these, these recipes that I created are meant to mix and match are meant to like be like a starting off point, you know, there's like a the daily scent and they're called daily recipes because it's like, that's exactly what I wanted. I just wanted things that you can make day in, day out, keep in the fridge, you know, add little fun flavors and, and different profiles if you want it. Like you have a, like a tamari glazed salmon that you could add to your nori salad wraps, or you can, if you're feeling vegan, you could do, you know, a noodle bowl. Like these are, it, it, this is the first time actually I'm ever sharing recipes like in a published way that are not 100% vegan, which was a really conscious choice because I have dipped out and out, in and out of veganism since I was in college. I like to call it like a corn dog vegan in college where I was just like eating like frozen vegan foods, like so bad for you. But I was like, I'm being better because I'm vegan. Was that a health choice? Like you were thinking this is healthier to be vegan? Honestly, so I got very into yoga in um, college and for me, yoga, like very, it was almost like a, like, like a philosophical choice, not really like a health choice. Right. Because there wasn't really like back in like the early 2000s, veganism was more of like a philosophical thing versus like, oh, a health thing, you know? And honestly, I did, I, and this is why I'm mostly plant-based, plant-forward is because I do feel that eating um, more in a more plant-forward way really does make you more intuitive. Um, because when we are eating other, and, and this is, I don't mean necessarily like processed vegan. I mean, just, you know, like whole vegetables, fruits, vegetables, fruits, yeah. vegetables grains, you know, that sort of thing, because not to get too deep into it, but you know, when we are incorporating animal protein, which I do, you know, I'm very um, cognizant of it because it does, you know, in a way, and this is what I've learned in like, you know, my spiritual training is like, it, it does carry like, know, this energy of that being, right? And so it can mix with our intuition. So, so in college, I did it more as a philosophical thing, but then I started, you know, again, the number one rule for me in my healing process was always say yes. And that's like a chapter in my book, always say yes, like to your cravings, because even if it's going to get me into a discomfort physical place, even better, that's then an assignment for me to sit with that discomfort, you know? So if I was craving roast chicken or whatever, you know what I mean? Or a steak, like I would have it because that to me is like, I need to affirm my intuition. And the more you affirm your intuition, the more confident you get, 
the more like stronger you get as, 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 as your own self. So I was saying yes to all those things. But at the same time, when I launched my website and like social media, that was the time of like, very devout veganism, like hardcore veganism, you know, like hashtag vegan, hashtag like banana, whatever, you know, all those like, (laughs) you know, and I had like shame around posting those things. I was afraid of like the kind of like hate I would get if I posted that. If you posted meat products or animal products or what? Yeah. Wow. I actually started it as a not vegan thing. Like if you go on bonray.com, there's like meat and fish section, there's like steak, you know, recipes and everything. It's not, and, and it's not like I was like, I always said, I was like, I'm not vegan, but 99% of the recipes that I would post would be vegan. Right. And I slowly, you know, that was my lesson and that was my journey to learn because I started, there's there's that fear again, right. Coming around food. And this is a lesson to show that like, this is not a like one and done. Okay. Like I did my healing. Now I have this recipe website. I wrote a book called Body Harmony. I'm good. You know what I mean? No, this is like a lifelong lesson, you know, and assignment. And so we constantly have to be taking inventory of how we are feeling around nourishment. And this is even more so, so you think it's, we think it's easier because now we have like all of these like wellness, like, you know, opportunities, platforms, you know, resources around us, but actually it's more difficult because now we really have to vet, does this make me feel physically good, but also does this empower me? Or is this, is this taking away from my empowerment? Like, does this make me like, like when I hear there are certain things that I forget, like, like, I don't know what it is, but like, oh, like almonds, you know, if, if someone, someone recently asked me, there's, I get a lot of like very nitty gritty questions. Oh, this is a good one. Food combining. Like if I'm eating fruit, I follow food combining. We can talk about that a little bit, but I've been dying to talk to you about this. Yeah. Like that's, I believe that this supports intuitive eating, you know, but of course we have to like take everything in a way that like, um, we have to approach it through that perspective. Number one is the intuitive eating, but someone, I get messages about food combining all the time. And it's like, I'll show like my fruit plate with like watermelon, bananas and blah, 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 blah. Um, and someone's like, aren't you supposed to eat watermelon first? I heard that watermelon digests quicker because blah, blah, blah. And my answer to that is always like, no, like I don't think of it that deeply. Like, yes, do I eat, do I thrive better with fruit like earlier in the day? Yes. But if someone were to tell me I can only eat the watermelon before I eat another piece of fruit, immediately I start like tensing up and immediately I'm like thrown back into that time of my life where I'm like, oh my God, like, I can't eat watermelon. Like I I ate the the watermelon after the, like, yeah, the rules. And it's like, that does not serve me. Right. And so it's always taking into account those things. And that to me is, I have to feel free and feel that I'm doing things, you know, in a way that I, that feel right for me and, and, and easy, you know, first that's number one. And then there's other things that you can like play with and feel physically good. Like there's no reason once you get into your intuitive eating, there should be no shame or no guilt or no hesitation in also wanting to dive in to physically feel amazing. That's what I think that we miss is that it has to be one or the other. And I will like really like try to shout loud all the time. It's like, yes, we can be intuitive and yes, we can, you know, love our body and love everything, but we can also always want to feel physically better. 
And that's a nuanced approach. It's very difficult to explain um, because people are like, well, I thought you were talking about, you know, body harmony, intuitive eating. And now you're telling me that you follow this, you know, you do actually intermittent fast. I'm like, yes, but those two things can coexist because eating and nourishing an individual self and a human, the human experience is a nuanced experience. So nourishment will be a nuanced experience. It's so funny you saying it like that because it it sounds so obvious of like, mm. there's going to be different times where you need different things. And, and like hearing you talk about the, you know, eating meat, but people are like, well, aren't you vegan? And like, they're like, I, we want to define things so bad. We want mm. those labels. Like everybody's like craving. Are you vegan? Are you sober? Do you drink? Do you eat meat? Like, you know, like we want yeah. those labels so much, whether it's on what we're eating, what we're not eating, paleo, keto, whatever. We want the labels. But I totally agree with you that that's taking away the power from us to change our minds, to to adapt with what our bodies are telling us. Maybe you go through periods where you never want to drink. Maybe you go through periods where you're like, I would have a glass of wine and feel great. You know, like it's allowing ourselves to be flexible, I think is the most powerful thing we could ever do. So I love kind of that removing the labels piece of it and just yeah. getting really honest with ourselves on what do we actually want? What is actually serving us? And what's interesting is that going back to like me not sharing like meat and things like that, I would do it occasionally, like whatever, this is like now eight years ago. And I, I would get that kind of reaction like, oh, you know, like that's gross that you're posting this, blah, blah, blah. But then fast forward to five years later, when I started to feel more comfortable in sharing, and it was just kind of a little, you know, I would share here and there and share there. And then I just like, you know, I'm just, I don't, I'm not even going to talk about it. I don't need to like give it a reason. I don't need to give an excuse. I'm just going to share what I eat, you know? And like, when I say zero comments, I mean, zero comments about me shifting and sharing more of that. If anything, I have, I've gotten recent comments. Oh, I love that you're sharing that you like eat more salmon. And I'm like, you know, like I, I've always been kind of eating this way. I'm just sharing it more. And the fact that my energy is more relaxed about it because I am more at peace about it, that then is relayed, you know, on people's screens, you know, and, and it gives them, and I don't like, and I'm not saying that, you know, I have any like power in this, but I will say in me following other people, it, it kind of gives you the like, okay, but like, okay, you know what? She, like she's, She's following her intuition, you know, maybe I can also follow my intuition, you know, and whether, whatever that means for you, you know, whether that means like eating animal protein or not, just having more voices out there of of someone just, just like following their intuition is so powerful, I think. Yes. Yes. I think with nutrition, that's so important to emphasize. And I love that you are showing that because I think in you showing, yeah, look, I make all these plant-based dishes, but I'm also eating salmon. And like to have that flexibility is showing people everyone else can be flexible too. Like that, to me, that's a big piece of the intuitive eating. Like some days you're not going to want something the next day you're going to want it. You know, whether that's, for me, that was like gluten for a long time. I was like, no gluten. And now I'm like, I'm just going to be intuitive with it. And like, it took a while for me to get to realizing what that means. So I think that you sharing there's room for everything is a very important lesson. 
I want to go into intuitive eating, but I also am dying to go into food combining because I know you Mm -hmm. touched on it and a lot of people are going to be like, what in the world is food combining? So (laughs) let's discuss that because I think that's one that a lot of people don't know or misunderstand. And then I would love for you to explain too how that connects to intuitive eating. Yeah. So food combining is just simply really put is a way to optimize digestion in the body. So that manifests in eating in a way that supports elimination, simply put. So what happens is that when we eat things like fruits and vegetables or vegetable juices, things that are like raw and untouched, they move through our body really quickly. And you you can feel that, right? Like if you eat a bowl of watermelon versus like a burger or like, you know, tortilla chips and guac, like you can tell like when you're like, okay, that's like, I'm a little tired. Like my body is like digesting this versus like, you know, a piece of pineapple, you're like, okay, I ate a pineapple. I'm on my way, you know, feel more energetic. So we eat in a way based with food combining to optimize that. And when I learned this, I learned this, um, I read a book called Detox for Women by Natalia Rose. And something clicked when I read it where I was like, what I loved about it was that there was nothing about portions. There was nothing about like measuring. Cause back then they're like in the two early 2000s, it was like the zone diet and like, all these things of like, okay, you eat a protein, like the size, like the deck of your palm or a deck of cards. Yeah, the size of your fist. Yeah. 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 And and again, intuitive eating, like when people, when I hear that stuff, my body shuts down. I'm like, ugh, like, like I don't want anyone to tell me how much I want to eat because something about me is like, I have a voracious appetite for life, period. Like I, I love abundance, like in all senses of the form. So it just does not vibe with my spirit to tell me like, here's a plate of food and that's all you get. You know what I mean? It just feels, it feels restricting. And when it feels restricting, I don't even mean like, fit, like, like food, it feels restricting in life. Like who wants to live that way? You know? So when I read this book, what I, was so awesome is that it's like, you basically don't have to think of this ever again. It's just a matter of not what you eat, it's how you eat. And that was like, whoa, like I've never heard that before ever in my life. And what I will say about food combining is it's like the proof is in the pudding. If you eat following this kind of basically the like outline, rough outline is eating like lighter raw foods, juices and fruits in the morning because our body like needs more energy and it doesn't take much energy to digest these things during the day, you know, abundant salads, uh, avocado, sweet potato, cooked vegetables for lunch, and then have your more like grounding, heartier meal at night. And then like, it helps like support your rest. And that also like mimics and mirrors the flow of your energy level, right? So you want more energy during the day and you want to like rest at night. I did that for, you know, if you do that for three days, um, you'll feel something, you know, it, it's just like, it's because we're mirroring the energy of the body, right? And, um, so I was hooked. I was hooked in this. And yes, there are little like nitpicky things. Like we were talking about the watermelon before, blah, blah, blah. I don't get that deep into it. I just follow these like broad principles. Another broad principle is if you're having protein, um, like animal protein, you want to stick with like, um, neutral vegetables, like non-starchy vegetables. So for instance, you could have a steak with like tons of green vegetables or whatever it is, but you wouldn't have it with something starchy like potatoes or rice or pasta. And that's when it gets like a little ruly, right? But for me, when I noticed when I shifted that and I felt so much better, like I just felt 
satiated and grounded and fed and, and really comforted without feeling like a pit in my stomach and not just like feeling overtired or lethargic. So I was, that was a rule that I was, that, that supported me thriving. And so how that relates to intuitive eating, it's a very visceral method of eating, right? So like, you'll feel, like I said, like if you eat pineapple, you feel it. And that like that you want to be in, it makes you more intuitive um, versus, you know, eating something that doesn't make you feel great. Oh, like, well, okay. I can see that I ate certain things that didn't digest at the same, at same time. So it's creating a more of a slow process for my body and I don't feel that great. You know what I mean? And so that's why I believe that they support each other really well. But again, nuance comes into play. And if something feels a little more restrictive or um, technical, you know, you can do away with it. But um, all the recipes, and I think like at this point I've created like, I don't know, I like over a thousand recipes in the last 10 decades, they all follow this, this principle. And yet they are super indulgent, super flavorful, and like they just make you feel good. So I think that that's why a lot of my recipes like resonate with people is because yes, they taste good and and I'm not marketing them as food combined recipes, but they are, they all are. So after they, someone eats something super flavorful and delicious, but then also feels awesome afterwards, that's kind of like, I mean, like who doesn't want to feel that way, you know? And that's yeah. not how I want it to feel. So you know, a lot of the times it's like, oh yeah, like I, you, you go out for an indulgent meal and it's like so delicious and amazing. But like the payoff afterwards is you don't feel so great. And I'm at the age is like, I don't want to feel not great after I have anything, you know, I want to feel good. Like that is my, like, you know, my currency is feeling good, right. Feeling energetic, not, you know, I want to be present as a mom, I'm present in my work and like just as a human. So I want to eat in a way that feels delicious and indulgent and abundant and not restrictive, but also makes me feel like physically awesome. And that's what food combining has done for me. What you just said, that feeling good is your currency. I'm like, I need to, I'm going to write that down, (laughs) put it on my fridge. Like I am obsessed with that. That's so good. Yeah. It totally makes sense to me how food combining can be super supportive with intuitive eating because I think where people get caught up, exactly what you're saying, is when there are those rules that feel very rigorous, where it's like yeah. eat watermelon at this time, or I'm sure there's probably times where like, yes, you'll feel better if you had a protein without a starch, but if you are craving both and then, you know, working yeah. with that and, and being flexible. But it's like it kind of is your body's intuition to adapt and eat based on what your body needs. So if your body needs energy, I think the body mm. is meant to crave fresh foods and things that yeah. are not gonna kind of hold down the energy. So I think like it actually is intuitive to eat in a way that your body's actually asking for when you can remove a lot of the rules of like, you need, you know, whatever the rules are like 30 grams of protein every meal and you need like eggs for eggs or breakfast food, like whatever it is. Like Mm -hmm. when you remove those rules, I think the body does ask for foods in a way that is optimal for it. You know, like the body knows what it needs. So I I think to me, it makes perfect sense that food combining can very much be an intuitive process and not a a rigid plan. One thing to note, there's two things to note. One thing to note is that food combining is not like an ancient like mode, like food. It was created as a healing modality from a modern lifestyle, right? So it's created to help eliminate waste, accumulated waste in the body through a modern diet that we were not born, you know, it's not an indigenous lifestyle. So 
how does that stack up to like Ayurvedic or traditional Chinese medicine, or even like the, like my age, my like heritage of like Korean, like having rice, you know, with everything, you know, so that's something to keep in mind. So again, these things can coexist, but it's a way to play with nourishing to see, oh, does this make me feel better? But it is like a, an active healing lifestyle. So it's not, so you can do both, you know, if you're feeling good and you're, you're like, oh, also I follow Ayurvedic and they say that I'm, you know, I need more warming foods. Actually, like I feel that way in the winter, right? I like shift and I, you know, eat more warming foods, but um, it's looking at it as a way of to like, I don't like with any sort of new nourishing thing that I learn about nutrition. It's like interesting, you know, get curious about it. Let me try it out. How do I feel? You know, for me personally, as a, like a human individual, this lifestyle like works really well for me, but it might not for others, you know? And so, or you can just like incorporate some things into it, you know, or like some principles. It's, it's, there is no one book that is going to be like, like our lifesaver. It's just impossible because no one's gone through it. Our, like it doesn't, no one has the same inherited energy as us. No one has like what we went through as like a human, like it's just not going to work. So knowing that, okay, then we learn when then we like can read all these books and trends and things like that and be like, cool, like what can I take from that? What applies to me there and what like what doesn't? Take what works, leave what doesn't, experiment, try things. I think that's like bottom line, that's it. Yeah. To end on, I would love for you to share some of those like little tricks, tips, things that you do, whether it's food combining or intuitive eating. I'm going to give you a couple examples that I have taken from you and that have really made a huge difference for me. What And this was like years ago. So I don't even know if this is still something you do, but but years ago, I remember seeing on your Instagram that you like to have like raw foods before eating cooked mm. foods. So I've started like snacking on carrots or like celery or cucumbers or having a salad first. And it really is a game changer for me. Like my yeah. digestion is so much better. So I love that awesome. one. I love um, that. And then the fruit first, like I love yeah. eating a big bowl of fruit first thing in the morning. Like even yeah. if I am like starving and I'm on my period, so I'm craving more and I eat eggs after it. Like I just love having a big bowl of fruit first. So like those two for me are things that I've taken from you that have made a world of a difference for me. What are some other... I still do those. I still do that. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear, but (laughs) because it's it's so... You really do feel the difference. So what are some of those other kind of little tricks or things that you like that you can recommend people try out for themselves? So I think that like the first, the mornings are like super crucial and like kind of like resetting. So for me, like, and I have this recipe on the Alamo series, it's the Bonberry green smoothie. It is probably like the thing that people make the most. It's like the foundation of everything. It basically is just celery, spinach, coconut, raw coconut water, banana, and mint and mango. So that's it. That's it. But it's very, it's designed in a way that it doesn't have protein powders. It doesn't have seed butters. It doesn't have things. Why? because it's meant to help you eliminate in a way that also keeps you satiated and energetic. And so if incorporating that smoothie or a green juice, which is also in this series, in the morning, and you can then have like your overnight oats or your eggs or whatever it is that you have for your breakfast, starting the day off with that, I really think is a game changer because A, you're getting like a lot of chlorophyll, which is plant energy, which will, you know, results in just like amazing energy, like physically, but also shifts your perspective on like 
nourishment in the morning. Like we've been taught to like, I just actually learned this, that, you know, like big breakfast in the day, like you don't want to get too hungry. It was like a marketing thing, like made by like cornflakes. Like there's like no actual nutritional background to it. It was like a Mad Men, like Madison Avenue, like thing. It's like not- That makes so much sense that it's marketing. Like like breakfast is the most important meal of the day, like calcium. But it was such a big marketing thing that like doctors- like also say it, you know what I mean? Which is, but I like, I remember saying it, I'm like, is that true? Cause like, because I've lived this life for so long, I'm like, really? Like, is that true? And I Googled it and it was a hundred percent a marketing phrase like made in the fifties for like Wheaties or cornflakes, which is insane. Wow. Anyway, so to flip the script and start with your day with the green juice, that was a big change for me. I was like bacon, egg and cheese girl. Like picking it up, going to the (laughs) office, like I, what, or a bagel, you know what I mean? Like, like I, was, was conditioned for that. And I'm not saying like, okay, like don't have those things, but start off with like a green, just something that's, that will, is going to feed you high nutrients without robbing you of energy of digestion is a game changer when it comes to food, food combining, because you start to identify when you have that like burst of energy without being robbed of it to digest. And not to say that we, you know, like, again, like we, when I eat, I have very hearty, comforting dinners and lunches and meals every single day. But in the morning, that is like my um, sacred routine because of how much energy and like vitality and chi it gives me. And if my Korean mom who grew up having like fish and rice and miso soup for breakfast, like all her life, she also like like needs her green juice in the morning. So if she can do it. You got her on the green juice? Yeah, that's impressive. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. Does she still have her miso soup and rice and all that for breakfast after the green juice? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, (laughs) yeah, right. Got to keep it going, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't change who you are. (laughs) Can't change who you are. Nope. Okay, Nicole, we are going to wrap up with some rapid fire questions. First one, your must-have item in your grocery cart or like the grocery staple that you could not live without. I mean, I'm just going to say greens, like as a whole, I have to have greens, like lacinato kale, romaine, cabbage, celery. It's all got to be in there. I love it. All the yeah. greens. All okay. The- your favorite comfort meal? I would probably say like a bowl of noodles, like like rice noodles, like my coconut fuzz in the um, aloe series. That's probably Which my that I made. That was yeah. insane. That yes, was insane. I love that you made it. Yeah. Oh my That's God. That's probably my go-to like comfort meal or like vegan pizza. <laughs> Do you have a certain place that you like to get vegan pizza from or like a brand? So I like recently, this last year have perfected my takeout pizza, like my frozen pizza thing. So I'll get like um, the bonza crust and you can use any crust, but just like no tomato sauce. I'll do Rayo's on top of it. I'll add vegan cheese on top of it, which I eat like either Daya or Violife, I think are the best ones. And then I chop up every vegetable like known to man and I like put it on top olive oil on top, then like hot pepper and the nutritional yeast, and then bake it. And then on top, put like dump arugula on top of it and then hot sauce. And I have that every Friday. That's like my pizza night. That sounds so good. So good. It's literally so good. <gasps> so good. Yeah. Oh my God. I need to try that. I like adding the veggies too. And like the arugula on top like that. Cause yeah. it, it probably helps with obviously phytonutrients digestion, but like yeah. that sounds phenomenal. Yeah. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> okay, wellness ritual that you are currently obsessed with. 
I think, I mean, I think the act of sweating, I think it's so important. I really do. I love an infrared sauna. I love, I love like a workout that's like you like release things. So I would say like the infrared sauna is a big one. I love it. Sweating. Do you sweat like every day? Do you try to get it in or certain times a week? I try to. Yeah. Yeah. Depending like if it, if, but again, it's another thing is again, if I don't get that like routine ritual, like being comfort in that discomfort, you know what I mean? And like, you know, it's not, um, these routines, you know, that you want to like use them as tools and not as like, you know, rigid, you know, and anything rigid, like that's consuming you, I guess. So anytime that I, I, even with all these wellness practices, they're all amazing, but you know, being mindful, how do they make, how do they serve me? Do they empower me? Or are they like holding me like into some sort of restrictive pattern? Yeah. I I think that's so important with any wellness practice is to think like, is this enhancing my life or do I feel any amount of stress about, I have to get it done today. I like, is there any stress because then it's hindering you more than it's helping you. So I think that's really important. Yeah. I will also say as like a mom, like letting go, that has helped a lot because in my mid twenties, when I was starting embarking on this process, I could be like, literally like, like I could do whatever I want, whenever I wanted, I can, you know, like really like curate my perfect wellness life. And now with like, as a mom and like a working mom with two kids, like that is not the case anymore. And that was a, that was needed to happen for me. You know, like I needed to get more like chill about things because, and that has helped me in like me sharing things as well. So, so it's like life really humbles you fast and it's like always for like the good. Yes. Even if you don't recognize it at first. <laughs> Even if you don't know. No, that's yeah. a really good point. I know we could do a whole other episode on motherhood because I'm sure you have a lot of yeah. fascinating insights to but share I mean, that. But I, whether it's motherhood or anything else, like just what, like it's good to like not be like the pristine picture of wellness because what is that really? Like we, again, wellness doesn't occur in a void. Absolutely. I love that. It's such an important mm-hmm. reminder. Okay. Last mm-hmm. one. And then I swear I will let you go, Nicole. <laughs> I just could keep asking you questions. No, I love Okay. It. Last one. Leave our audience with any kind of resource, whether it's a podcast you love, a book, uh, someone to follow on Instagram, anything that has changed your life. Oh, wow. Mm. I think um, I will say that um, A Course in Miracles is probably an incredible resource if you want to shed a lot of ego, we didn't talk about it in, um, you know, healing phase, but I think that's an incredible resource and anything Marianne Williamson has written. Um, she is also so it's such a loving support, um, to help you through, um, any sort of like healing period of your life. And also check out my aloe move series. It's a uh, daily recipes with Bonberry. And I hope that that also supports anyone in their, in their journey um, of healing or just like living and thriving. <laughs> okay. So alamoves.com, people can find your nutrition series. And then where else can people follow you, shop Body Harmony, give us all the other deets. Okay. Awesome. Um, you can follow me on Bonberry at Bonberry on Instagram um, and TikTok. And then um, my book, Body Harmony, um, is sold everywhere. Um, I also have a plant-based grab-and-go store in New York City. So come visit us. You should come visit us as well next time you're in New York. <laughs> when I tell you every time, well, I haven't been to New York in a while, but literally okay. I'm like, that is on my bucket list. Like okay, my bucket list of life. Yes, yeah, done. I'm dying I mean, to. It's a tiny little <laughs> New York City store um, that kind of embodies everything that we talked about. Um, so yes, that's where you can find so it. So my alley. That, yes, you're my yes. kind of girl, Nicole. I love it. Yes, I love it, Josie. Thank you so much. This was so fun. 
I hope you enjoyed the episode. I know I sure did. If this episode gave you any value or you're liking the show in general, please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really makes a huge difference for our show so we can keep growing and bringing the content that you love. If you want more info, you can find us at The Evergirl Podcast on Instagram or theevergirlpodcast.com. Talk to you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm.